I look forward in just a few minutes joining everybody at the Lord's table as we commemorate that by observing the Lord's Supper. But before that, we're going through the book of James, and we are in James chapter 5 this morning. And as I've alluded to before, like our golfer friends, uh, sometimes when the ball lands in a place you don't want it to go, you got to play it where it lies. And so as we go through James chapter 5, we now have turned to him addressing some folks about money. And so uh, rest assured, if you're visiting, uh, we don't preach about money every Sunday. And so, I mean, you can you can loosen the grip a little bit. This is not going to have a, a special tithing offering at the end of it. So at the same time, though, money is something that reflects our devotion. Money is something that we all need. Money is something that can be used for God, uh, but it is also can be used for something that is evil as well. And so James doesn't hold any punches. As you have been taking this journey with me through this book, James doesn't hold back. He basically puts a mirror in front of us all. And today uh, he talks about the trouble with money. And so as we get started with that, open your Bibles to James chapter 5. And we're just reading verses 1 through 6 today. And as you look at it as a whole, he's addressing this to get to something else. And I'll talk more about that later. But in James chapter 5, if you've got a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in verse 1 of chapter 5. And he says, Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away, and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. Boy, this is going to bless your heart this morning, isn't it? And then it says... This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury Satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourself for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Boy, this is going to be a great three points of how I can be a better person, right? Uh, hey, that, that, that's the thing I love about preaching through the Bible is, is we're going to let the Bible teach us this morning. And so... The value of money, you can agree, has decreased over the year. I mean, a dollar is still a dollar, a dime is still a dime, and they say that they make $100 bills, but I haven't seen any. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but, but they, the, the, there's no problem printing money, is there? Matter of fact, there's some people that make illegal living printing their own money. But, uh, that's another message for another time. The thing is, the value of the money sure has changed over the years. I mean, a dollar is a dollar, but we can all agree that a dollar won't buy what it used to. And I've heard from y'all and from my parents and my grandparents about those days. On a hot summer day, you can walk down to the corner store and get you an RC and a moon pie for a nickel. 
or a dime. I remember back when little Debbie's were a quarter. And you could go, you know, we could go on and on. But yeah, I mean, if you had change in your pocket, you could get some stuff. Now, if you have change in your pocket, all you have is change in your pocket. And, you know, the dollar, we, we have a dollar is a dollar, but the things just keep getting more expensive. The price of everything is going up, which means you need more dollars just to get them. So let me just preface this by saying the drive to better yourself is not an evil thing. The drive to accumulate money is not an evil thing in and of itself. This is not to make people who have money feel bad and those that don't have money get them to get say, yeah, go get them, preacher. Okay? Because it's, we're, again, we're not talking about the amount. We're talking about the intent. And so I, I've got a statement I want you to finish for yourself. Not out loud, but just to yourself. And just, here's a statement. My problem with money is, and then you fill in the blank for your own life, whether you're taking mental notes or iPad notes or written notes or just don't want to take any notes at all. My problem with money is, I know some people would say, I thought, hey, great, a sermon about money. I don't have any money, so I have no problems, right? But again, it's not about the amount. My problem with money is, it could be something as simple as, my problem is I have more bills than I have money at the end of the month. Or my problem might be that I have money everywhere else. Or my problem with money might be, you know what, I keep loaning it to people and they never give it back to me. Whatever it may be, we we all have money issues. From the kid who gets an allowance for a dollar a week, or the person that gets paid thousands upon hundreds of thousands of dollars a week for something that they may do. Money can be used for good or evil. Money can be used to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Money can be used in the church. Money can be used for missionaries. Money can be used for things in this community. I mean, we, we, there are good things that money can do, but... The people that James is addressing, they became more interested in gathering wells, ga- excuse me, gathering wealth for themselves rather than loving God and loving others. And so James is warning you and warning me today. James is warning us that we must not base our self-worth on our money. Now, every year Forbes will come out with the most uh, rich people, those that, that are the wealthiest, and they would have all these people, and, and hey, I'm happy for them. But you know what? If you make that list great, if you don't, it doesn't matter because our worth does not need to be based on what's in our wallet or what's in our investment portfolio or, or what we have buried in a mason jar in our backyard. Everybody does it a different way, don't they? But what he is saying is the Bible is filled with examples of people who were wealthy. We know that Solomon, who prayed for wisdom, was one of the wealthiest men ever. But the only reason that they were wealthy is because they depended on God and they knew that everything they had came from God. They used God's blessings to further his work. So you see, money is not evil. However, our lust for it is. 
And so if anyone ever tells you, well, if you've got a lot of money and, and, and you're rich, or, you know, rich is a relative term nowadays too. I mean, nowadays if you, if you don't have any credit and everything's paid off, some might think that you're rich. I mean, how many, how many of you in here either have or are living from month to month thinking, I got this payment, this payment, and this payment, and hoping at the end of the month that check will cover the house, the car, the the food bill, the electrical bill. Hey, these are not evil things that we're talking about. We're talking about things that we can just survive, and sometimes we work just to survive. And so the thing is, is that the, the drive to succeed, the drive to earn, the drive to provide is not evil. But you're you're taking a great step by being here this morning because you're saying, at least I want to make God a priority in my life. So I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to hear God's word preached. And my prayer is that you get blessed for that. Because again, money is not evil. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money itself. But the love of money. Folks, there are people that don't have a dime to their name that are out on the streets. And they're out on the streets because they can't do anything with money because they love it so much they want to spend it. And then there are some people that have more items than they know that they can even count. And yet, they have the same problem. Again, it's not about the amount. It's about the heart. So what can we learn from this great encouraging passage that James has written for us in this letter today? Well, the first thing that we see is that the trouble with money is it does not last forever. Can I get an amen on that? Man, there used to be a day when you got a paycheck and you, you can say, hey, you know, they pay you at the end of the week and you think, hey, I can make it the next week. And, and I'll never forget. Y'all remember that time when you got your first paycheck as a kid? And all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, well, wait a minute. I've done this many hours and I get this many and I, this many. Who is FICA? I want to have a talk with this FICA person because they've taken a third of my check. What do they say? You work and on the average year, the first three or four months are just for your taxes. Boy, that'll bless you. But hey, that's the price to pay to live in a, in a, a country where we have freedom where we have people defending our our freedom and where we have structures and we have people that I think for the most part are trying to do what's right. So I'm not bemoaning us having to pay taxes, but I'm just saying that's part of living where we live. And so the problem is, the trouble with money is that it does not last forever. Again, go back and look at verse 1. He says, look here, you rich people. <laughs> I know you're what I thought when I read that, <laughs> he ain't talking to me. That, Look here, you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because all of the to- all of the terrible troubles ahead of you, folks. We must begin with the fact that money doesn't last forever. Is that we need to take inventory of all that we have and all of that that is rich and powerful in our lives. We must take inventory. You know, it's one thing. I mean, if you go for a loan, they're going to make you sit down and write down everything that you have and everything that you owe. And then if you don't owe more than you had, they might give you some money to borrow. But then once they do that, you're going to owe even more. 
But we have to take inventory of our finances. But folks, there are some things that don't fit on a balance sheet. As many of our senior adults will pray in the mornings when we have a prayer time or, or we, you know, they just say, Lord, thank you for the, the strength to put my feet on the floor and dress myself and be able to come to church. Folks, we can be rich with things that are not on a balance sheet. If you have people that love you, if you have lungs that work, if you have a heart that beats, and that you have a God that loves you, those are important things. And those things can make us rich. And God's love has no expiration date. But he mentions here things like, you know, somebody in this time may have accumulated lots of grain so they could sell it and be rich. Grain will will be corrupted. The stock market, the stock market goes up and down. You'll see presidents, especially our current president. Oh, if it goes up one point, I told you I'm the greatest president to ever live. And then there will be the next day it plummets. You don't hear a word. No tweet. We've had presidents before that that would take credit for a boom. And then when it was not great, crickets, you hear nothing. So it's one thing to, to base our worth and say, hey, look at, look at our gross national product or look at that we have more jobs than ever. Look, again, I'm not a political thing. I, this is not a political rant. But I'm just saying there are many people that they base their daily life, their living on what the the Dow Jones is for the day. Many of you have stocks and things that, that this is your nest egg. I mean, you are living in the day to where you have worked all your life that hopefully near the end, you're going to have enough to be able to, to make this. Look, I understand that, but all of our nest eggs have the, the ability to explode in any moment. Gold loses its value. Metal rusts. That car that you have in your garage or your driveway or that truck or or that whatever it is, I promise you that over time it will get, I mean, unless you take immaculate care of it, it's going to degrade. We have to take inventory of what makes us rich. We also have to be honest with ourselves. How do you use your wealth? How do you use your money and your resources? Resources meaning your time and your talents. Let me ask you this. Does your wealth come at the expense of others? That's what James is asking us here. Does your wealth come at the expense of others? There is no difference, folks, between the rich person exploiting those around them and the poor person letting the government feed them and clothe them when they could work and they don't. That's just laziness. You have one person, a rich man, taking advantage of the poor man. And then on the other end, you have the poor man taking the advantage of the rich man. Again, it's not about the bank balance. It's about the matter of the heart. And it's not the amount, it's the attitude you have towards it. And we see in verse 1, there will be a time of testing. Look in your scriptures. It says that because there will be terrible troubles ahead of you. Some of you know what that's like. You remember when the stock market crashed. You remember when all you had was you could go out in the yard and pick dandelions and put them on a stove 
and put a little vinegar with it and that was your meal and you were grateful for it. Oh, us snowflakes, we, we don't know what that's like. But we might have that day. And so that's why I think that, especially with so many of our older adults, they're better with money because they know what it's been to be without it. But there will be a time of testing for both the saint and the sinner. There will be a reckoning for all that we have accumulated. And the sooner that we realize that, the sooner we will realize that true security is not found in what's in our bank accounts. True security is only found in God. And this is where James is heading with all of this. Is that where do we run when we are in crisis? What do we hold on to for safety and security? And I think a lot of people do say, well, you know, today's rough, but at least I have enough to get through next month and we'll, we'll worry about next month or next month. But but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you've ever had that month where you have more bills than you have, have money, there is a big dependence upon God. Money is not always going to save us. Money is not always going to bail us out. And our security cannot be found in our bank balances. I remember as a, a youth pastor in, in Wilmington, we would have beach days and we would have all these games. In one game, we would divide the kids into two teams and they would line up single file line and they would have a five-gallon bucket in front of them. And then we'd give them like a, a, a beach beach bucket, like you make sandcastles with, and they would have to run down to the, the water, fill it up, and then come back and dump it in that five-gallon bucket. And whichever team filled up their five-gallon bucket one, and I, it might have been a pizza or it might have been, I don't know what the prize was, but man, they would go after it. And they got pretty frustrated because the bucket that I gave them to go to the, the water and bring it back had holes all in it. <laughs> and said, so, man, this is not fair. And the whole bucket, now there's nothing. I said, you better go because that's where it's been going. And they just race and they race and they race and they race. <laughs> Folks, that is our life sometimes. We're spending our lives trying to fill the bucket of our life with things that are fleeting. Things that are momentary and we will work ourselves to the bone to do that. I just, I want you to understand, look, again, there's, I don't want you to go feel bad about what you've got or what you don't have, but I just want to let you know that your security is not going to be found in that. You will work all your life to gain, as Adrian Rogers said, you work all your life to amass wealth so that you will be able to live your final days well. And then in your final days, you spend all of your wealth trying to maintain your health. That's life. And James is telling us is that our security doesn't come in what we have. Our security comes in who we have, and that is God. So the harder we try to amass wealth and success... For ourselves, the messier our lives become until eventually we are empty. This is what James is saying. And here's, here's the point. There is great perspective in knowing that only what we do for Jesus will last forever. There is great perspective in knowing that only what we do for Jesus will last forever. All of these other things that James is talking about with these people, he's saying, look, there will become a time of testing. Where all of us are going to be judged for what we have done and not done. Well, the second thing that we see 
is that the trouble with money is that it can devalue our life. It can devalue our life. Last year around this time, I began the process with the help of my wife and some friends of of getting rid of all the things that my parents had that, that I didn't want. And truck after truck after truck of stuff. I mean, dad had his tools and his gadgets and mom had her trinkets and her doodads <laughs> all over the place. And, but still, trucks and trucks filled with stuff. And I love them to death, but I, I just have this mental picture of all of these things that they have amassed for their lives. That, that, and I'm not saying this begrudgingly, I'm just saying, but I had to do something with it. And I remember taking that U-Haul truck to the landfill and all the stuff that I just threw away. I guess it's on my heart because uh, Thursday, uh, I headed up to Nashville to help uh, my friend's wife and his girls. Who He had passed away in October. He was a musician, among other things, in Nashville. And he had a, a studio of equipment. And he had... I would hate to venture how much money he had in that studio. He had enough for five studios. And so I went up there to help them unplug it and pack it. And, you know, there, there's no one in the family right now that can use any of that. And our prayer is, is that one day the girls will come to a point where they can use it or, or somebody else. But I just thought about this passage and not that he was evil. I mean, he, he was a godly man. And all of this money that has been spent on this stuff, I mean hundreds of thousands of dollars. More keyboards than you can count. More recording mixers, more, I mean, you name it. And I just felt like as I was unplugging those things, I just felt like more of him was just, just leaving. Because I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that studio would never be put back like he had it. All of that stuff that is now going to be sitting in a storage building. (laughs) This passage really hits home when you think about who's going to do what with your stuff when you're gone. I think this point I'm trying to make. Don't spend your whole life chasing for things that someone else is going to put in the landfill. Don't spend your life trying to build things that one day won't have a purpose. But don't get me wrong. These people were much more than these items. My parents and Hansel. The thing was, I think about my parents. My parents, they taught me to love the Lord. They taught me how to have a relationship with the Lord. And I think of Hansel, he was a mentor that without him, I don't know if I would be where I am today in ministry. So these things, you even being able to listen to me and me having the the awesome privilege to be able to stand before you and say even a word on God's behalf. Who am I to speak for God? 
But yet because of what they have done in their lives, this is the stuff that is going to last forever. If I have the privilege of leading someone to the Lord, it is because of what they have done. So it doesn't matter. Hey, when I am out of here, you can take everything that I have to the landfill because I'm not going to need it anymore. These people that he's talking about, they're going to have a hard time with that. Oh yeah, we can build memorials, we can build scholarships, we can build buildings and put their names on them, we can build interstates and put their names on them, but you can't take those with you. The trouble with money is it devalues your life. If you spend your whole life trying to get that golden ring or get that golden carrot of whatever that may be, it will not hold its value. The third thing that we see is that the trouble with money is that it can change the way you treat others. The trouble with money is it can change the way you treat others. Again, let's go back and and look at this. He says, for listen, in verse 4, for listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields and have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's army. That doesn't happen today, right? No, people aren't taken advantage of. <laughs> the boss comes to you and says, uh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to need you to stay an extra two hours today, but uh, don't put it on your time card. Or, yeah, I know that you're getting overtime this week, but... We're not going to pay you time and a half. We're just, we're just going to just not do that. Or whatever it may be. I mean, there are ways that, that, that people have seen to cheat employers and cheating employees just as bad as employees cheating the employers. It still goes on today. And we better hope that if we, if we claim to be a Christian, or we claim to have a Christian business, we better not be doing those things which are shady and cheating somebody. Because he says in verse 5, You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Folks, when people are seen as a means to acquire wealth, they lose their God-given value. Let me say that just one more time. Because it sounded smart for a minute. I don't know if it's smart or not. But when people are seen as a means to acquire wealth, they lose their God-given value. When you look at somebody and the only thing you're thinking, the only thing you're thinking is, what can that person do for me? How much money can that person bring? What can I get? From that person. You are having the same attitude that James is talking about. He says the cries of those who are oppressed are being heard by God. And folks, he will give them restitution. Maybe not in this life. Maybe so. But definitely in the life to come. Today there are people groups overseas that are starving while all of their food is sitting in some fat cat's warehouse. Because they're trying to make an extra buck off of it. There are people who work for peanuts while their employees get richer and richer. 
And as he talks about innocent people here, back in those days when this is written, you realize if you were in debt, you didn't get a letter. You didn't get pesky phone calls. If you were in debt to somebody, they threw you in the slammer. And if you couldn't pay it back, you would have to sell one of your family members into slavery for that person. And then that compounds this because if you don't have the money to pay them back and you don't have a family member to sell them, then you are going to stay in jail. And since you are in jail, you will not be able to work to pay them back. And so it was nothing for people to loan people, loan things to, to people and then they would end up in jail and never get out because they couldn't pay it. That was wrong. There were some people that took advantage of others for that. In those days, poor people often died of starvation. God calls this murder. So I think to kind of wrap up this encouraging passage this morning. The trouble with money is it seeks the place God created for himself. The trouble with money is is that it seeks the place God has created for himself. I think the bottom line is avoid the temptation of using the wisdom of this world to get ahead while forsaking the life-giving concept of honoring God with your money. James is harping on this because he knows that the first place people run to for security is their wealth. So in the next section, you know what we're going to see? James is going to tell us, don't run to your wealth, run to God. And this is how you do it. And that's what will be set up for the next week or two. So if you want to read ahead, you can see. But I think of the the Great Commission. The greatest commandment that Jesus said was Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. If the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, with your soul, and your mind, and your strength, and love others as yourselves, the problem with putting money first is that that goes a little bit like love yourself at the expense of others. And the judgment of God. That's what James is saying. Do not let your money or the lack of it get in the way of your relationship with God. Run to Him. That is where your security will be found. Let's pray. God, I I thank you so much for this message this morning. And if there are people that are here today that have heard this message and Their security is based in things like wealth and other things that have left them empty. And they want to know you as their Savior and Lord. I'm going to give them an opportunity right now to to come forward and I will pray with them. And they can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that even if every dime fails, even if this world fades away, their riches will be forever. Because of what your Son, Jesus Christ, has done for the forgiveness of their sins. Maybe someone wants to come to the altar or join the church or be baptized. Whatever their decision may be, this time of invitation is for their opportunity and your glory. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?